0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are back for another prospect preview and today I'm joined by friend of the show Snoog to talk about Brian Thomas Jr. How's it going man?
1: Feels good to be back Zolty. I mean it feels like just last year we were on here talking about JSN. That was one of our both our favorite prospects. Disappointing rookie year. Damn shame he got drafted to Seattle but yeah. Now we're on to, on to new and better things. So Brian Thomas Jr., six foot four wide receiver from LSU, basically was non-existent until this year. So I'm excited to see kind of how both of our sides and views kind of collide and see how we, if we come to a consensus point on him.
0: Yeah, and interesting that you started with JSN because that's a guy I wanted to bring up. And and we'll get into, obviously, more about Brian Thomas if this is your first prospect preview. We'll break down the statistics, the film, give you some comps, give you our kind of uh, draft grade, all that good stuff. Uh, rank him among the rookies, of course. But w- because you mentioned JSN, one thing I wanted to bring up about Brian Thomas is that JSN of any wide receiver drafted in round one since 2015 had the lowest second best career points per game. Basically, he was the ultimate one hit wonder. Um, obviously JSN was injured um, in that in uh, you know his junior season and really just had that one breakout sophomore season. Brian Thomas, uh, among that same data set, has the seventh lowest second best points per game. So basically when you're looking at one hit wonder status, and we'll get into this more with the statistics, he did not have a good second season in his college career. However, if you look at the six people above him, we got JSN, Jameson Williams, Kadarius Tony, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, and DJ Moore. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to be a one-hit wonder in college. Obviously, we'd like to have more production, but just to put that in off the top, let's not rule out Brian Thomas because he only had one good year. Um Before we dive into that a little more, let's talk about you. Uh, Tell me what you've been up to, Snoog. I know it's been a lot of good stuff. If anyone's listened to my show before, they probably know who you are. But give me some background on what your kind of scouting philosophy is this time of year.
1: Yeah, I've been so in love with this wide receiver class. That's been most of my time has been going towards just diving through it, watching film, breaking down data. I'm I'm usually way more film heavy, but this year I've been trying to be like more 50-50-ish with my eyes being like the finalized test on like if the yep. player can yeah. can play ball or not. But I've been trying to dive into like yards per out run numbers, yards per team pass attempt, just kind of like the more important metrics. And, and it's been incredible with this wide receiver class. I mean, the top 10, arguably all 10 of my wide receivers this year would have been fighting for five or six last year, which is crazy to say, but I'm sure it's like that for you and many others as well. I've been doing just, I've done 10 threads on these, this rookie wide receiver class, my top 10, all the way from Marvin Harrison Jr. through Keon Coleman and Javon Baker. I found that there is a lot of depth in this class. The hardest tier that I've been kind of diving through is like the Brandon Rice, the Jalen Polk, the Jalen McMillan's, the yep. Jacob Cowings, the Xavier Leggetts. That's been taking a toll on me. So, Kind of before combine, I've been trying to shape up that tier to get some pre-combine rankings out there for you. But my my process stays fluid. Like once we get testing numbers, a lot's going to change because as much as we want to say it matters on the field, it does matter to the NFL scouts what they can perform on that big day. So right now, rookie threads, rankings, I'm diving into the running backs a bit now too as well. We got a lot to say about Blake Corn, but that's for another day. And I, I'm just curious to see kind of like, I know you're big data driven, but I know you're big film as well. So I've been trying to honestly kind of model like my analysis and my process a little bit like how you do yours.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, one of the reasons I love doing these prospect previews is you get people on here with, with different skill sets and with different perspectives. Um, and I, I think, you know, the most, the more information you can gather the better it is. So let's, let's start off with, uh, with brian thomas uh and his background he was late to football and that's something i know that you've mentioned a few times uh you want to talk a little bit about that
1: yeah i've actually was doing some research just online on like his like 247 profile and all that stuff i'm hearing that he started playing football in the 10th grade Mm -hmm. which is like that's i mean he's probably 21 years old now 10th grade he was probably like what 16 17 just just starting driving so it's like five years and he's a superstar wide receiver that's going to be a first round talent at LSU it's like that's pretty incredible for especially for a lot of these players that have probably been playing football their entire career but it makes sense why he is a little bit raw in some of some of the areas where we'd like him to be more polished in I saw one thing I want to touch base on is people there's always people just saying oh this guy's six foot four six five but he's really look at was supposed to be six three and he's like Quentin feet. Johnston
0: last year. I remember exactly. was one of those guys. Yeah.
1: Brian Thomas jr. I am like, the, he's the only one in this class that I'm fully confident in actually yeah. being his true size because I've done so much like Jane Daniels, him compared next to him. He's, he's bigger. And Jane Daniels is six, four. Yeah. And then their tackle, one of their tackles, I don't know who he is, but he's huge. And he's listed at six, six and a half. Brian Thomas jr. Was literally head to head with him and he was almost as big as him. So I, yeah, I think there's a chance he's 6'5", but I think he's more 6'4". Just being able to move like he moves is incredible. And I know he was a really highly recruited wide receiver. He was four-star, correct? Yep, yep. Hard to get on the field when you're playing behind a guy like Kayshawn Booty, who was so hyped up. He's a Debbie darling. I know he sucks in the NFL. And I think it was more an effort thing for him. Like, he's this star wide receiver at LSU, didn't get along with the coach, goes to the draft and jumps like 29 inches, like, Me and you could do that, Zolte. So I I think he just lost his mind through the process and kind of gave up on football. But he he was a superstar recruit as well. And then neighbors. It's like, it's hard to get on the football field when you're playing in a room like that. He finally got his chance to shine and he did.
0: Yeah, and and let's let's dive into the stats a little bit more. So as a freshman, he actually did really well. So as an 18-year-old freshman, he had 28 catches for 360 yards and two touchdowns. Doesn't sound like much, but just getting on the field as a freshman is really important. If you listen to my Troy Franklin breakdown uh, last week, we talked a lot about how that year zero production is incredibly important, and Brian Thomas breaks the threshold there. Um, The issue is his sophomore season, you'd think after that freshman year, he'd follow it up and, you know, double, triple those stats. His sophomore season, he only had 31 catches for 360 yards and five touchdowns. So basically the same season as his freshman year. Uh, One thing that I did is I went back and I looked at LSU's 2022 season, and it was incredibly strange. They had six players with between 200 and 550 yards receiving, and all six of those players were between 16 and 45 catches. They just didn't have really that second player across from Malik neighbors. Keishon Booty, you mentioned he was kind of inconsistent. Brian Thomas wasn't truly able to break out, and I think the fact that he picked up football late – is a big reason for that, so i am I would say I'm a little concerned about him only having one year of production um I'm also a little bit concerned if I'm being honest about his one year of production wasn't as elite as we often see. From, you know, your your round one wide receivers. So if, if I filter my data model going back to the 2017 draft class, and I just look at round one wide receivers, Brian Thomas is second from the bottom in terms of what my draft model score has him at only above Kadarius Tony, who obviously should not have been drafted in the first round and didn't have the, uh, yeah. the, the, the statistical grade to back that up. So there are some other good players near the bottom. I mean, going, going from the bottom up, we got Tony, then Calvin Ridley, Zay Flowers, Jahan Dotson, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, Brandon, Ayuke, Chris Olave. So there are some good, there's some good guys in there, some less good guys in there, but, Um, speaking about his statistical case, you know, 2.6 yards per route run and 2.8 receiving yards per team pass attempt this past year. That's not bad, but it's not at that elite level that you typically see from around one wide receiver.
1: Yeah. And and I think you, you absolutely nailed it on the head with it, with that freshman to sophomore jump in production. Like that's where you're looking for. Like the threshold for him probably would have been like 600 plus yards and like, yeah, maybe he scored five or six touchdowns and you would have been like okay he got better and then he got way better in his junior year I, I don't know i honestly don't know how and why he wasn't on the field more as a sophomore my guess just by like what i know is probably cuz of booty and neighbors yeah he just probably wasn't on that level at the time i know like there was a lot of hype around him going into his sophomore year and like a lot of training camp and like that stern spring ball he was mossing people and looking incredible and then it just didn't translate on the field as much. So, I think you you nailed it with the production in 2023. It he was a touchdown scoring machine. He led college football exactly. in touchdowns with 17. Yep. He, I think, the one thing that I like to look at for all wide receivers, especially, is like the scheme fit for college football is so like the, there's so many wide receivers that have limited route trees in college because of the scheme fit. Yep. I think like. Okay, you got superstar top five pick Malik neighbors that can absolutely dominate on curls down the field, like and and after the catch in the screen game. And then you got six four wide receiver that could probably run like a four four five forty that can just effortlessly separate downfield and and make big plays. So I think they just had the perfect like one two punch with those two, where it was like you do this and you do that. We'll lean on neighbors more because he's better. But Thomas is going to be the guy that's just eating up the number two DBs. And and you posted it the other day. We saw the release off the line of scrimmage. We don't know many wide receivers that can separate like that. Nico Collins, T. Higgins. You got Michael Pittman Jr. And then it's like, who else? Who else can naturally separate like that? Sink their hips and kind of move downfield vertically. And I think that's kind of why I'm so high on him because I feel like, like, Pittman and T Higgins were both second round NFL picks. They kind of slipped a little bit in the process, even though
0: early second. Yeah,
1: I didn't know much during that time. That's kind of when I first really started getting into college football and dynasty, but I was a big T Higgins guy just because a Clemson was so good. So I always watched like the big games and I I thought T Higgins was unbelievable. I thought it was like kind of shocking that he slipped to the second round, but the NFL values speed so much. And those guys were like four or five guys. And I think Thomas is, going to probably run fast like he's probably going to jump high and run fast and i think it's pretty damn like locked and loaded as of today that daniel jeremiah and a lot of these big nfl mock draft analysts and mel kuipert and all these guys that brian thomas jr i like penciled in as a top 20 pick so i think there's a lot of landing spots for him where it's like like a chiefs or like a bills like a bills like need to take that upside shot on a guy like that to be across from Stefan Diggs. like by any means i don't think he's like a true alpha wide receiver one that's going to be AJ Brown, but I think he there's a good chance. He's like a T Higgins type of ceiling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. T Higgins is a comp I've seen a lot and, and it, and it does make sense to me. Um, w- one thing I wanted to touch on before we go in and really dive deep in the film is that uh, they did change their scheme completely. LSU did uh, in 2023. And I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. you mentioned both the scheme as well as Malik neighbors and Jaden Daniels. Cause obviously that all plays a role in Brian Thomas's production. So first of all, they completely changed the scheme. Jaden Daniels' average depth of target in 2022 was 8.2 yards, which was in the 20th percentile of college football. In 2023, he had a 10.5 average depth of target, so more than 2 yards down the field. That was in the 93rd percentile of college football. Just completely changed the way that they were playing um and they used Brian Thomas's skill set a whole lot more. Um you and I have talked about this quite a bit and it's, it's difficult when analyzing, you know, neighbors and Daniels and Brian Thomas, who, who gets credit, right? You look at, especially Thomas and Daniels had these incredible years, basically out of nowhere. We already mentioned how Thomas, you know, quadrupled all of his statistics with 17 touchdowns. Um, Jane Daniels had 40 touchdowns when his previous career high was 17. It's just not even close. So How do you look at assigning credit when you're watching film?
1: Yeah, this is a good question because I go back and forth with this while watching all of them. I'm watching Thomas, I'm like, holy shit, Jaden Daniels looked phenomenal. And then I'm watching Malik Neighbors, and I'm like, look at that deep throw by uh, Daniels. Like, he has a beautiful deep ball, the way he puts touch on the ball down the field. And then I'm like, wow, what a catch by Brian Thomas. Look at the separation he created. Like, look at the ball tracking ability. It's it's tough. But one thing I do want to mention is look at Jaden Daniels 2022. They didn't even touch 3,000 passing yards, 17 passing touchdowns, 7.5 yards per, per attempt. That's horrible. Especially really in bad. college football it probably makes sense. Right. Why Brian Thomas wasn't good. Why booty wasn't good. Why only neighbors was great. Cause neighbors is just that level. He's different level. doesn't yeah. matter who's throwing him the football. He's going to make plays. Then you look at his Heisman year 3,800 yards, 40 touchdown passes. It's honestly like the most contradicting thing for me looking at it. It's like going down a, a, a wormhole. I, I think you got to give credit to the two first round wide receivers and yeah. you got to give credit to the quarterbacks whose strength is the deep ball. So I think it was just a match made in heaven for all three of them. You could go both ways. You could say the wide receivers helped Daniels so much. You could say Daniels took the next step, won the Heisman, played at a Heisman level. And that's why the wide receivers excelled the way they did to their strengths. I don't think you can take it away from e- any of them, right? Because yep. he was throwing them the football and they were catching the football. So you had to have good things both ways.
0: And, and what I would say is that Thomas's trajectory where, you know, the sophomore season was a bit of a, you know, relative step back compared to expectations. But that trajectory is not uncommon, you know, having mm-hmm. that junior year breakout. Um, Jaden Daniels trajectory, let me just tell you his yards per attempt. 8.7, then 8.3, then down to 7.8, then down to 7.5. So you're like, all right, this dude sucks. He's getting worse every year. Last it. year, 11.5. It makes absolutely no sense. But Jane Daniels is a, uh, a whole different discussion and, and a long one at that. So we'll, uh, we'll put that on pause for a second. Um, but let, let's get back to Brian Thomas. Let's talk uh, a little bit more about his game, uh, break down some of the film what's your favorite part of his game? Where, where does Brian Thomas win?
1: My favorite part of him is his ability to press the field vertically. I yeah. think it's very rare you see any wide receiver at his size win downfield like that. Martavius Bryant was kind of a, a name that came to mind when watching him. I know he never lived up to the hype, but he was a highly touted player, and everyone was always like, what if Martavius Bryant hit his ceiling? Like, I feel like there's, there's a chance we're talking about Brian Thomas Jr. like that if he does bust. Like, Imagine what he could have been. Nico Collins is a guy that I like the comp that you have that I almost kind of want to go back on my T Higgins comp and make it Nico Collins because he was a guy coming out. You're a Michigan guy. So, you know, damn well, more than I do about Nico Collins in his college days, but almost like a 50 50 contested catch guy. And now he's some yak monster who's like some crazy athlete. I think that's literally we could see Brian Thomas go from that like that 50 50 downfield, like winning downfield vertical player to that yak machine because he's a good athlete and i have i found a ton of film um, videos on him of just making defenders miss in short areas it's like the footwork's there he's a little bit of a project in the yak area but i've seen him like tightrope the sidelines using his length and picking up an extra 10 yards like i've seen a lot of cool things and that thread i posted of him there's a ton of yak like little clips of him, even it's the simple things, like catching the ball, making the defender miss and picking up the first down. He can do it, so the upside's definitely there.
0: Yeah, and his his career uh, yards after catch per reception um, is what five point three, which isn't excellent, uh, but it's it's not terrible, right? You, you can work with that. And, and speaking mm-hmm. to the yak game a little bit, I think a lot of it is also strength. Like if you look at these bigger wide receivers, like Nico Collins is a good example there. Um, a lot of times he's breaking he's breaking the first tackle with his strength, with his contact balance. Um, and then you, you know, transitioning to speed and getting, getting into space. It's not, it's not necess- it's not the Kadarius Tony, you know, yards after catch. It's much more powerful than that. And that's not a bad thing, but I do think that, um, Brian Thomas, who's listed, you know, around 200 pounds, we'll see what he actually weighs in at. That's very light for, uh, you know, a six, four, six, five frame. So I, I would like to see him improve that quite a bit if he's going to expand his, his yak game. But, but let me touch on the deep ball. Cause I think that's, you know, clearly the strength of his game, but by the way, he's at, he's at 5.3%. The average for first round wide receivers uh, is about 6.7%. So he is quite a bit below average in terms of that yards after catch per reception. Um, other players in his range, uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. So again, not a huge problem being in that area necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Jefferson as well was only at 6.0. Um, so get, getting back to the deep ball, I think what I love about him the most is you mentioned the movement ability at that frame. He's just so smooth. He's such a good accelerator. Um it's really hard to cover him either in press because his press release is good. His first step is so good that, and he's really good at stacking a wide receiver on the deep routes. Right as soon as he gets past the cornerback shoulder, he's going to cut him off and just stack him. And it's so easy for him to maintain that space and separate because of that long speed. Um, and then it's the ability to high point the ball down the field. I I, I don't love his hands necessarily in the short game, but uh, down the field. If it's a 50-50 ball, it's really a 70-30 ball. Yeah. He's going to go get it at his high point. He has incredibly strong hands. There were a few plays where the defender actually made a really good play on the ball, put his arm in between Thomas's hands or in between his arm and his chest, and Thomas was still able to bring it down. It's that type of elite down the field play that reminds me of, you know, if if you want to be optimistic, it's, you know, Mike Evans or T. Higgins. If you want to be pessimistic, it's, you know, Kenny Galladay. But those are elite downfield skills. And when you combine that with his speed, um, it makes him really difficult to cover. And it's why he was so successful, even though, you know, he's not the best technician, which we'll get into in a sec. Um, It's just, if you play off coverage against him, he's going to eat up the space and he can just run a simple curl. And if you're going to press him, he's just going to run right by you. Um, It's interesting. There were so many plays watching both him and Malik neighbors where, Neighbors got open just that half second faster. So he got the ball first and Mm -hmm. you mentioned Thomas is not in the same planet as neighbors. He's not. And that's, that's okay. Right. That's not saying anything bad about Thomas it would have been interesting to see Thomas on a team that had him as the number one. I think his target share would have been much higher. And you saw the way that they used him in the red zone where he really was the number one option. Um, And I think that says, says a whole lot about his ability to produce in the NFL where, you know, I I think neighbors is going to be, you know, a top five, top 10 guy.
1: Yeah. And I I think, one thing too is brian thomas jr's release off the line of scrimmage his yeah. his first step is so explosive and i think that helps him get leverage on the dbs downfield and he yep. uses the size to box out defenders a lot the one thing i noticed like that stood out big time just is it's as simple as if you just threw on brian thomas jr's highlight tape right and you watch nothing else the way he tracks the ball over his shoulder it's like on every touchdown pass he yep. makes almost and they're watching I watched like the Bama game, the Florida State game. I watched a lot of those games. I watched Daniels underthrow him on like three massive like 70 plus yard touchdowns yeah. that he ended up getting tackled on cuz he had to come back to the ball. We probably could have seen Brian Thomas Jr. in a perfect world go for 1300 yards and almost 20 touchdowns, but it's hard to say that obviously cuz all quarterbacks make mistakes. There's underthrows, there's overthrows. But like one thing too I watched him against Ole Miss. Like he he made every he made three big touchdown catches and they were all different, which was cool to see. One of them was in the back of the end zone. He went up and I like caught it to the side of his body over the defender and still got his feet in bounds. Yeah. That one was incredible. And then you had the one on that flag, the free play, where he came back to the ball, boxed out the defender with his big six-four size, makes the catch on the pylon. And then there was another one that was phenomenal. Quick feet. It was a slot fade right off the line of scrimmage. Oh, yeah. Over the shoulder catch. I th- he has good spatial awareness in those scenarios there was one play though that you sent me that was bad that like he could have scored on and he was just yep. completely out of bounds and I was like how do you do that and then you make this play against Ole Miss where you're like you have like three yards to make the catch and get your feet in bounds and you just like bring it in so smoothly yeah. and get both feet in so I, that's yeah, that, that one play
0: I that one play I sent you was was hilarious because it, it was so unlike him he literally had yeah. you know no one within 10 yards of him Maybe it was probably he was drinking
1: the night before or something.
0: Yeah, definitely. He, he bet the under on himself probably was learning from on booty about those bets. But, uh, yeah, that was a weird play, but in general, yeah, his body control, his ball tracking, um, yeah. is, is really good. And, and you mentioned the over the shoulder throw, uh, Jane Daniels was great at the deep ball and hit him in stride a lot. And he was so confident, um, Really using extended hands and only his hands when the ball was, you know, over his shoulder or above his head while we're mentioning that the only part of his kind of hands and ball skills game that I didn't like was when the ball was below his kind of chest or stomach and you got to flip your hands upside down essentially to catch it. I didn't love his hand placement there. I think he can definitely improve there. Um, It's a, it's a more difficult skill. And I think that's where you see part of Thomas's, you know, potential upside coming in where he's new to the position and he definitely has, areas that he, he can improve upon. But, you know, just the fact that he had a 78% catch rate on a 14 average depth of target, that's, that's incredible, right? You don't see that a lot and it speaks volumes to, you know, his ability to get open and his ability to bring in contested catches. Um, even though this last year, only 13 of his 87 targets were contested, which again, says a whole lot about how open he's getting. Um yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about his about his route running. Um we talked about his ability to stack to get leveraged his release package. What is his route running like on non-go routes? Cuz we can both agree that go routes were the primary point of his game, the best part of his game. W- tell me about the rest of it.
1: Yeah. On his film notes, I have him looking at right now. I said where he lacks in and out of breaks in the short and intermediate range. Yeah. I know that he, he's pretty good on the slant. He can flip his hips and he can sell the outside and get inside leverage quick. I didn't like kind of like his smoothness and the way he rounds out his routes in the intermediate game. But yeah. that, if that's his biggest flaw, I see a ton of upside because that's something you can work on with NFL coaches and get much better at. You can't be six foot four and win vertically that consistently in the NFL. In, in any level, honestly, so that like Quentin Johnston didn't really do that. Yeah, he was just really good after the catch. But like, I think Quentin Johnson, his biggest weaknesses are Brian Thomas's biggest strengths, like the body yeah. control, the, the hands, the ball tracking. If if Quentin Johnson could do any of that, he would have been great this year. He dropped like four touchdown passes. Yeah. So no. I, It's true. I think he's a good project example of why we should be high on Brian Thomas jr. Cause he has everything that Quentin Johnson didn't have.
0: Yeah. He's incredibly quick. The footwork's really good. He, he doesn't get very low into his breaks. Uh, he doesn't really stem off his routes really well. Like you said, a lot of it's bent. Um, I found what was really interesting, which I think uh, maybe gives him some, some, upside at the NFL level. He didn't run a lot of out routes. Like you think for someone with that height, you could threaten down the field. He would work the perimeter intermediate game more. He really didn't do that a whole lot. Um, and he wasn't super physical at the stem of his routes. And that's, that's really the point of his game that if I think he gets more physical, I think that's going to unlock a lot. Uh, we talked about Higgins and Michael Pittman. Those are two guys who really improved their physicality in the NFL. They're able to create separation using their body, their strength, um, at the stem. And I think that's something that Thomas can do, but it's not something that he has done uh, a whole lot, uh, at least in college. Um, the other thing about Thomas is that is interesting is that he only had a 12% slot rate uh, throughout college. He's, he's obviously going to be a perimeter receiver given his strengths, but you mentioned the slot fade. He ran actually a few really nice routes from the slot. Um, giving him that kind of three-way go, I think can open up a lot to him. We heard from fellow LSU, uh, tiger, uh, Jamar chase talking, you know, yesterday, I think it was about how much he loves running from the slot, how it's his favorite alignment. Uh, Thomas is obviously not Jamar chase, but I do think that giving him a little bit more on his plate, especially once he learns the position more, I do think he can handle it. And I think his versatility has some upside.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and and it's funny because every weakness that you mentioned that, that we just talked about, I have in my notes. Like, yeah, I, I also add would like to add he is a body catcher at times. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily hurt him because he really rarely drops the ball. I didn't see him drop the ball re- like any times on film, but it hurts him from making plays because defenders can get their hands on the ball and make plays on the ball before he can. I think that's a tendency thing, like new to football. Just, yep. just that's like the first thing he thinks of is just, I'm just going to catch this ball and go instead of attacking the catch point. I think if he gets better at that, then we're going to see a very dangerous wide receiver at the NFL level. I kind of think he, like just thinking in how we're talking, I think George Pickens success in the yes. NFL level is a good thing for Brian Thomas Jr. I don't Love think that. he's as like, I don't know how like, aggressive and as natural as Pickens is, But he's like has that big body control, that fluid play in his in his game. And I think that's a good thing for him. So I think just a team seeing that and seeing how Nico Collins, Higgins and all these guys are excelling. I'd love to see the Jaguars pair him up with Trevor Lawrence. It'd be like T Higgins reincarnated at Clemson.
0: Yeah. And if you look at, I I love the Pickens comparison, right? Pickens basically gets all of his production and he was actually, he had what, 1100 yards last year. It's, it's all on goes and slants. Um, Yeah. (laughs) With with no no QB. QB. And, and you look at, I I think that that's absolutely something that he could do. I, I like that Pickens comp. I love the Jaguars potential fit. I mean, Calvin Ridley, basically failed in the, you know, deep perimeter wide receiver role last year. Uh, he didn't come up with a lot of these contested catches that, that Thomas, I, I think, definitely could. Um, so I, I think we've gone through. Do you have any other, you know, pros or cons to his game that we haven't talked about yet?
1: No, I have body catcher at times, limited route tree at LSU, one year of elite production, needs to be more physical at the catch point, inconsistent play from time to time, and in and out of breaks in the short and intermediate range. Yeah,
0: I think his the one really other bad. comment that I'd have is he's good on the scramble drill, which obviously Daniels did a lot, but he's not great against zone defense, I think, and some of that comes with experience or lack thereof for him. I think he could improve his ability to, you know, sit in the zone, find holes. Um he's he he could use a little bit more experience there. Uh but yeah, I, I think I think we hit on a lot of it. So let's get into the rankings now. Where and and in particular, I think there's one wide receiver who I guess most people have Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin 4 and 5 at this point in the process. Xavier Worthy working in there as well. Where do you have Thomas? Is he is he definitely outside of Your top three, does he come in at four? Where do you have him?
1: I have a clear three best in this class. And then I think there's like three to four guys that are fighting for that four, five, six, seven spot. It's definitely Marv, Neighbors, and Odunze for me. I just think they're the most polished, most pro-ready players. And and like Daniel Jeremiah said, when I think of a number one wide receiver, I think of a guy that it's like, when you're sitting in that stadium, you know for damn sure they're throwing the ball to Rome Odunze or Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr. when the game's on the line or it's third down. I don't see Thomas kind of in that mold yet, yeah. at least. I think he could maybe get there as like an extreme ceiling. But he's my four right now because I just okay. think all the upside in the world. It's in a tier with with Franklin, Worthy, and I think Lad McConkie might slip into there at the back end of that tier. But yeah. it, it's a tough tier because Franklin and Worthy are definitely probably more polished players than Thomas. But I just think I'm trying to say – what my eyes see and what the NFL is telling me as of today, what Brian Thomas is and what they think he's going to be. If he goes top 20, I can't put a guy that goes in the second round over him, especially if he's on the Jaguars in that Calvin Ridley role, like you said, where he's getting the opportunity to make plays. He could be a double digit touchdown scorer. So,
0: Yeah, and and there's a lot of great positions uh, at the end of the first round. If you look at, you mentioned the Jaguars already, other team fits that I liked a lot. Um, I could see him going to Houston. I know that wouldn't be ideal because he's a little bit duplicative with Nico, but they play almost exclusively three wide receiver sets. Uh, that would be a hell of a wide receiver trio. Um, Dallas is another one that's interesting. I could, I would love him in Buffalo, put him in that Gabe Davis role. Um, he is just Gabe Davis if Gabe Davis was actually good. So that would be really nice to see, uh, any other landing spots that I missed that you, that you really like.
1: Yeah, I, I had all of those – I had these landing spots written down for him in, in his profile. I had the Bills in the Gabe Davis role. I had the Chiefs just yep. as their vertical possession playmaker down in the red zone, especially because if there's a guy that can give him those chances and put the ball exactly where it needs to be, it's Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And I think him with Rashi Rice after the catch is that explosive playmaker would be a great duo – and he'd, he'd be in that Marquis Valdez Scantlin role. And that sounds ugly, but Scantlin stinks and missed out on so many opportunities. So I think Thomas would be a thousand yard receiver and potentially a double digit touchdown score there. And then I have Cowboys Jaguars. I put the Ravens, but I don't want the Ravens, no. but I think he could be a good number two option there.
0: I could see them taking him, you know, Bateman obviously is flamed out. I could see them taking him again in the late, in the late first, like they did with flowers and Bateman. Um, But, but yeah, that wouldn't be a very good, a very good spot for him. So I had the
1: Bengals in the T Higgins role and that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If T Higgins leaves, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So he's your wide receiver four. is he your one Oh eight in super flex
1: drafts? He is, but I do think JJ McCarthy is going to be the be like that seven eight ish for me especially if he goes where he goes because I actually really like J.J. McCarthy's game I think he's a I think he's like gonna be a really 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 good game manager game manager level quarterback just because he's so smart I could see him being in that like Kirk Cousins type career arc where he's just like a starter for like 12 years and he's just like never the best but he's never the worst he's like in between wins you games can lose you games but, yeah, right now Thomas is probably my eight just because we don't know anything about draft capital. And given the upside there with Thomas, I, I truly think, though, that say he doesn't go first round like we saw, I think Carolina would be a great low-key spot Ooh, yeah. for him with Bryce Young and his strong arm there just as the true one. Maybe we would see his upside like you said earlier. What if what if Neighbors wasn't in LSU? What, what so, if we see him like with Bryce Young, who's an accurate downfield thrower?
0: You know what, I want to see? I want to see the New England Patriots take Jaden Daniels round one and Brian Thomas round two. Me and all Just my pair friends them back.
1: Yeah, me and all my friends say that. Let's pair the, pair the duo up. Yep, exactly. If we could get neighbors there too, that'd be nice. But I don't, yeah. I don't think neighbors <laughs> is falling around too. All right.
0: Uh, this has been your Brian Thomas prospect preview. Before we sign off, uh, can you let people know where to find some more of your good work?
1: Yeah, just follow me at FF Snoog on Twitter, Patreon link in the bio. doing a ton of work with Dynasty Dad. You all probably know him as well. We also have the Smash Except podcast where we're doing fun things like this as well. Zolti jumps on there and talks ball with us sometimes as well. So make sure you just check out all of our work. Rookie threads are going to go out like crazy. My running back rankings and wide receiver pre-combine rankings are going to probably go out at the end of this week before the combine starts. I'm just excited. I'm excited to dive in. I'm excited to see what the combine brings us. Cause that's usually the big start to the NFL draft okay. process for a lot of these wideouts, especially. So I expect Thomas to test really well and hopefully boost himself into the first round of NFL drafts.
0: Oh yeah. So right when we sign off, what is your prediction for his 40 time?
1: It's so tough. Cause it's such like a technique thing for a lot yep. of people. And he's a yep. big guy. All about. I think start. his game speed is way better, but I think, if he ran like four four or four four five, I wouldn't be shocked, but I think he's gonna be in that four, four, five, four, five range. Yeah. which is fast. That's fast. Like C.D. Lamb is a four-five one guy, and he's yep. a lot smaller than Brian Thomas. So
0: no, absolutely. All yeah. right. Thanks so much for joining on. Uh thanks to everyone for listening. This has been your Brian Thomas Jr. Prospect Preview. Next up, I believe, will be Braylon Allen. So we'll get to that soon. Thanks, y'all.